Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's views from the 573 Podcast. Hope you all are doing well, staying safe. Big week ahead. It is Super Bowl week. We finally made it. Super Bowl 55, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, this Sunday. It's going to be fun. We're going to talk a little bit about that, talk about some of the over-unders, some of the prop bets that are going on. It's going to be a little bit different than Super Bowl shows that we've done in the past. It's just going to be me today, but that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about some of the over-under stuff, some of the prop bets that are a little bit more interesting. So we'll talk about those. But there's been a whole lot of other stuff going on, including in the NFL, with quarterbacks getting traded, former number one quarterbacks getting traded in Detroit and in Los Angeles. We'll talk about that, talk about what that could mean for Deshaun Watson Along with some NBA stuff, the NBA has officially announced that they are going to be pushing for an all-star game March 7th. Talk about some thoughts on that. But we got some baseball to talk about. And uh, we got something else that just popped up here in the last couple days that's uh, really got everybody riled up and excited. And I'm pretty sure you guys probably know what I'm leaning towards. But we're going to start with those two today. We're going to talk baseball because a huge trade went down with a local team and St. Louis, and we're going to talk about that and why the St. Louis Cardinals just committed highway robbery right there. But as always, a few house cleaning items to get sorted through first. Anchor, our sponsor for this episode, and all episodes of the Views from the 573 Podcast, along with the entertainment from the 573 Podcast. Thanks to them. Be sure to go check us out. Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Whatever your preference, go check us out there. Go give us a follow, subscribe, share with friends, family, and keep up with the lace that we have on both those feeds. We're planning on doing a WandaVision mid-season podcast, me and Peter are, if it works out sometime next week, as episode 5 is dropping tomorrow, and we're going to be discussing our thoughts midway through the season and what we think is to come in these next few episodes things are already getting crazy and it it seems like with each and every episode it's going to get a little bit more crazier so buckle up everybody hope you stayed away from those leaks everybody hopefully he did but nonetheless that's a plan that we have for next week and hopefully uh there's there's some weather concerns on peter's end with the snowstorms that are concerning so we'll we'll keep up to date with him about that but That's what we got going on here. Let's get right on into this podcast and let's start with some college football. Let's lead off with this first and then we'll get into baseball. NCAA football games. I know this is a little, it's sports and entertainment. The NCAA football games after a long hiatus due to a lot of stuff concerning likeness and due to a lawsuit from Ed O'Bannon years ago, it looks like the NCAA football games are coming back. And with thunderous applause from everybody around the world. The last game they made was around 2013 with Denard Robinson, if you remember him, from Michigan on the cover. So that's been around seven, eight years now looking at it. A long time since then, since that game has been played. But, of course, the game was played even after 
they quit making the games with people and I got to salute them for doing the rosters, for looking at each team's rosters and editing them and, you know, updating them. I got to salute them. That's a whole lot of work. They did that for so many years. But now it looks like we might not have to worry about that anymore with the NCAA football games. Coming back, it looks like it's going to be a couple years probably till then. So a little bit more of a wait, but nonetheless, just to have the reassurance that it's coming back is really exciting. Now, they do have have some things on their plate. What's going to happen with the likeness stuff? With players' likeness, you know, all that stuff that that really was a key part into the NCAA games of the past. And we'll have to see how that goes. Whether something is done about that, whether players are starting to get paid and they... that could lean towards EA handling that issue where players' likeness will now be transitioned over to the games. We'll see. That's going to be a decision that's going to be up to the NCAA, to Congress, or a couple other uh, institutions. But nonetheless, it's exciting to know that it's going to be coming back here. Again, it's been a long time, and by the time... The new one comes out. I'm going to be really ecstatic for it. Of course, college football has changed since then drastically. You got the college football playoff, you got the transfer portal being a part of active life in the NCAA. One idea I saw tossed around that I really like and I hope they kind of go for is the all alumni teams, the all university teams. There's a lot of players that we missed out on playing with, like Derrick Henry, Lamar Jackson, McCaffrey. Um, trying to think of some some other players, Kyler Murray, you know, guys like them that we missed out playing with on the game. So maybe that can be an option where those guys will be added to their respective colleges teams, so they're all alumni teams, and you can play with those teams, and you can have a whole lot of fun with that. Maybe play Saquon Barkley with Penn State. I know Peter would enjoy that a whole lot. But nonetheless, NCAA coming back. Excitement for everybody. And yeah, it's going to be a couple years. But again, the reassurance that it's coming back is really exciting. So let's move on to baseball. Let's move on to something exciting here for fans of the local St. Louis Cardinals team. You know, one of the things that's been talked about the last year or so is the flirtation, I guess is the word, with the Cardinals and Nolan Arenado and will they or won't they try to make a deal for him. You know, the Cardinals have made deals for star Rocky players in the past with Larry Walker and more recently Matt Holiday, if you want to call that more recently. So there's been this whole thing where it's been back and forth Will they or won't they? And this past weekend, the trigger was finally pulled, and Nolan Arenado is now a St. Louis Cardinal. And boy, the Cardinals sure made up for a whole offseason in about 24 hours. They signed Wainwright back to the team earlier before that. They got Yachty back. And then you get Arenado, you make this deal. You do a full offseason in 24 hours. Now, they do lose Colton Wong, 
who's going to the Brewers, but they didn't accept, they didn't look at his option. They declined that, and you know he's moving on. And they got some options in house, so you do lose him, but you do have some options in house that you can play around with and see if they can replace him. Although Colton Wong is pretty good. He really good second baseman there for the Cardinals for a lot of years. But getting Nolan Arenado, John Mozeliak just fleeced the Rockies. If you look at the deal, I mean, you look at the prospects that they traded, and really, none of those prospects except maybe one were in the top 10 among the Cardinals' farm system rankings. You do trade Austin Gomber, who's had some MLB experience, and so maybe for the Rockies, are hoping he can become something there in Coors Field. But you had some, but you had some guys, and a lot of those guys are not uh, were not ranked pretty high in the Cardinals' farm system. Now, I remember seeing a tweet and the, talking about this, about what the what a potential deal for Arenado was a year ago, a few days ago. It compares nothing to this. Like I saw Libertore in this deal, Martinez possibly, and that's probably just a benchmark of what the deal might have even looked like. And it was just apples to oranges and comparing that type of deal. Like there's no comparison. This deal is slightly weaker than that proposed one that could have been the benchmark for it. And the Rockies, while they do get some young prospects, probably not in comparison to the potential that a couple of those guys like Martinez, like Libertore, could have had in coming to your farm system and bolstering that farm system up. You know, losing a talent like Arenado hurts. You're going to need to replenish that. And what can I say? The... They did their best, but at the end of the day, the Cardinals fleeced them. They get one of the best third basemen in the league, probably the best. They get a guy who's a stud on the defensive side of things. Let's we'll see how he transitions from Coors to Bush Stadium. But my guess is it's not going to be a whole lot. But you get you trade one of these guys, you want to replenish your farm system after losing a guy that talented, but they don't. And also. They trade around $51 million in salary cap relief for the Cardinals to help with the Arenado deal. And it looks like the Car- the Cardinals might be paying Arenado the same amount, $150 million, that the Blue Jays are paying George Springer that, from Ken Rosenthal, as he pointed out. And that you're essentially paying him the same amount. And they also did stuff with the opt-out clause where they added an additional year with an extra year at 15 million and it looks like Arenado he said he's in it for the long haul and you know if you look at the Cardinals how they're constructed right now this year they're probably top of the NL Central right now with this move they probably jumped over Cubs Brewers looking at it the NL Central was kind of middling the Cubs had lost a lot of starters especially in that rotation I think they've lost four starters in their rotation, so they have to rebuild that. The Brewers, they're fine, but with this move, it definitely jumps the Cardinals up to the top of the NL Central, I think. Now, the question is, 
what will it do with them contending with other teams in the NL, with the Dodgers, with the Braves, teams like those. What will it do to help them in their chances at securing an NL pennant and trying to get to the World Series this year to get title number 12? That will be the interesting part, but adding Arenado does help you add them to that lineup with Goldschmidt. You got two awesome guys on the corners. You bring back Yachty. Great insurance behind the plate. Wayno. And listen, those guys and what they bring to the team, even if their playing days are getting close to an end, you can't underestimate what they could bring to a clubhouse. You, you can't underestimate that. They bring a whole bunch, and having those guys still in there will help a ton, especially if you got some younger guys coming up in the Cardinals' farm system. But you get Arenado coming in there for the Cardinals. This is the move that you've been waiting to make for the last year and a half. And you finally made it. And now it's probably at a good time to where you're probably the team that people are looking at as these guys are they're going to be highly projected to win the NL Central. And again, the question is, can they go out and compete against the other top teams in the NL? That will remain to be seen. And I know I'm excited. Cardinals fans are excited to see how this works and to see a high-profile player like Arenado come to this organization. You had Goldschmidt come a couple years ago. He made an instant impact. And now you got Arenado coming, and I believe he'll have an instant impact as well and really bolster this team for the better this upcoming season. But with that being said, speaking of the upcoming season, a lot of stuff is going around with negotiations between the MLB and the MLBPA. From my understanding, this is not even needed. There's a full guarantee of what's going on this season. And it, it really just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The negotiations shouldn't even be taking place. I, I mean, looking at it, the 21 season's already covered in full by the CBA. But... Again, COVID-19 is going to complicate a little bit of stuff with as far as what games are you playing, how many are you playing. And so you may try and want to renegotiate some aspects of that. And one thing that is going to be thought about is vaccinations. I mean, they're ongoing, but you're not going to use your all the vaccinations on a lot of teams. So that's an, that's one thing to take into account. But these negotiations haven't gone well so far. And again, why are we even having them? A lot. There's been a lot of talk about the universal DH. That's getting pushed back. That's not accepted. There's talk about 154 games. That's not. That's not happening. And I mean, I don't know what you do about the games. Do you try to do what you did last year? Do you do a little bit more? Do do you push the season back a month? I know that's been suggested by by the government that you push the season back a little bit and start from there. You know what about a uh, postseason? That's been another aspect that's been talked about in these renegotiations. If you want to call them that, is that the extended postseason players didn't want that because that really benefits the players. More money, more added revenue. And I get why you need to add more revenue if you're the owners. 
with what happened last year and with maybe lo- with losing some money this year probably, you want to try to make up as much as you can. But that looks like it's not been given the green light. And so we'll have to see where this goes. We'll have to see what happens with these negotiations. And again, why, why are these even happening? Why are these even happening? You're, you got your guaranteed 21 season right there. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see where this goes. But, you know, this is the thing that was talked about last year with the MLB and the MLBPA going back and forth and them struggling to find a way to get to a deal on starting the season. So we'll just have to see if things change this time around. My bet is probably not a whole lot, but you never know. They could surprise you. So with that, let's move off of baseball. Let's talk about some NBA stuff that's going on with this, with the NBA and the NBA PA agreeing to have the All-Star Game in Atlanta on March 7th. The two sides, according to The Athletic, could finalize the details of the plan as soon as later on today. So, in that case, probably right after this podcast gets done and recorded. Uh, so, the game was supposed to be originally played in Indianapolis, but was postponed due to the league's changes. And we've already got some players already talking about this, including one, the Aaron Fox. And I agree with the Aaron Fox with him saying, quote, I'm going to be brutally honest. I think it's stupid. If we have to wear a mask and do this for a regular game, what's the point of bringing the all-star game back? And I agree with the Aaron. You're bringing in players from around the league all over for a weekend and then you send them right back to their respective teams. You never know what what could happen if you do this type of thing. And the one good thing the NBA has got going for them right now is that no players have tested positive since January 27th. Right now, it's February 3rd, February 4th, rather. And that's a good sign. Now... Is that, is that going to change? Probably. Could potentially this change that? Maybe. But, again, if if it was already canceled due to the schedule changes that they had, I mean, why even go in with this? I know with the Pro Bowl that, I mean, yeah, it's the Pro Bowl. Bear with me, guys. But with the Pro Bowl, the thing they did is they played the game through Madden and and even though even playing the actual game, you were still deemed a pro bowler. So my guess would be is take a page from the NFL's book. You know, have the have the guys that are voted all stars as all stars, so that still counts. You know, some of those guys they have it as incentives to make an all star team. So let that happen, and then maybe do a game of two K, where you have East versus West. You have a couple players, a couple legends play alongside maybe a celeb or two and have them play 2k and let's see where it goes and whoever wins that game wins the all-star game so i think that's probably a page they need to take out the nfl's book right there 
and I and I see where De'Aaron's coming from. I I see where it's coming from. If you're doing this already with uh, not bringing players from everywhere, what's going to happen when you do that? And you're and then you're sending them back after a weekend. So I don't know. We're we'll have to see how this is handled. Hopefully the NBA knows how they're going to handle it. From what I've read, it's only going to be a single day. I think unless that's changed where they're going to have all the skills competitions and they're going to be playing in the all-star game and maybe they'll keep it the same format with the three days with Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or if they'll just do one day, or maybe they'll just do two days where you set aside stuff for the skills challenge and probably the, I don't know, USA versus world challenge. I still want to call it the rookie versus sophomore challenge. And then have the all-star game. I don't know what you do. Maybe have both the games on the same day. Possibility there. But I agree with De'Aaron. This is... It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. So we'll have to see how this goes. But again, NBA all-star game coming March 7th in Atlanta. And I guess we'll see what further details they'll have hammered out. In the meantime, so let's go to the NFL real quick and talk about some trades before we get into the big one in the Super Bowl. Let's talk about some stuff that has gone down, and that is, as mentioned at the top, a trade with two former number one quarterbacks. Matthew Stafford, of course, it's been known that he and Detroit were working on trying to find a way to get him out of Detroit and get him to notably a contender, a team that he could help, a team that he would have a chance to go to the playoffs with. And that team is going to be the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams giving up Jared Goff, a couple first-round picks, and a third-round pick in this year's draft to Detroit for Matt Stafford. So you got both those quarterbacks. Switching up, you got some familiarity there with Holmes, the new GM in Detroit, who came over from the Rams. So there's some familiarity there. And they got this deal done. I'll get some thoughts on Stafford going there first, and then I'll talk about golf. I really like this deal for Stafford. He's going to go to a team that has weapons over there with Cup, Woods, Higby, Everett. You saw Cam Akers come on late in the season. So he's got a good young running back there. And then the offensive line is really solid as well. You got Whitworth coming back again for another year. This guy's going to keep on coming back like Frank Gore. I'm telling you. But you got a solid offensive line there. And then you got the defense. You got a really good defense. You got some things that he never had there in Detroit. So now he's going there and he's playing with Sean McVay, and this could probably reinvigorate Sean McVay and his play calling system because golf is a certain type of QB where Stafford is another type of QB where he can sling it all over the field. It could change a lot of play calling for McVay where you might take a lot more deep shots with guys like Cup, Woods, Reynolds, Van Jefferson, another rookie that came on a little bit last year. You got some options there, and you can probably spread the ball out a little bit more, just sling it. And do a whole lot of stuff with play action there. 
I really like this for Stafford. I'm happy he's going to get to go there. I mean, he's going to go to L.A. from Detroit. So, you're not complaining either way. But he's going to go to the team that's going to be contending, I think. And he's going to... But you do have to wonder. The guy's never had as much pressure on him like he will with L.A. With all that he's got around him. So, that'll be something that he has to keep in mind. But I really like this move for Stafford and him going to the Rams. And... I'm interested to see what the other teams in the NFC West do to kind of counteract that, especially the 49ers, since they're a little bit unsure about Jimmy G, what they want to do with the quarterback now. There's been some Kirk Cousins talk over the last few days. I don't know if Kirk Cousins moves the needle for, for the 49ers. I think not, but no, that's my opinion. But we'll see. I really like this move for Stafford. Now, as far as golf is concerned, Feels a little bit slighted by the Rams. You know, he's going to a team that he said in his words feels like wanted him. But with with the Lions, you're going to have to worry about a couple things. You're probably going to lose Kenny Galladay unless you franchise tag him. So, you're already down one weapon. The offensive line is solid. I'll give it that. And then you got Hawkins in there tied in. A nice safety blanket there. And you got DeAndre Swift running back. Second year guy. Another young running back. Coming in there, Marvin Jones as probably another guy that we'll see what happens with him. But you do have the seventh overall pick for Detroit. You could use it on a quarterback. You could use it to, I mean, you got the ammo now. You got a lot of extra draft capital from the Rams. The Rams are not using a first-round pick, it seems like, ever again. But the, the Lions got a lot of capital from that trade. They got three extra draft picks, including two extra number ones where they're going to have double first rounders the next couple years after this year. So you got some assets to play with where you can trade up, you can trade down, maybe get a little bit more. If there's not a guy you like at number seven, that's a possibility. Team can maybe feel like a quarterback's falling and they want to jump up to number seven to jump over Carolina who might need a quarterback, still unsure about them. They made a run at Stafford. But that tells you that if they're looking at a quarterback like Stafford, they might be looking at QB a little bit harder in free agency and in trades and in the draft. So a team might want to jump up to number seven. Detroit say, hey, we'll give you this and this. Like, okay, done deal. You get some more draft capital. And maybe there's a player that you like that's in your range and you capitalize on that move. And you take them. So, a lot of options there for Detroit. But as far as golf, probably not a really good situation for him. And we'll have to see what Detroit does and see if they want to r- really trust him with the, this offense now. He is a little bit younger than Stafford. So, there's one positive for the Lions that you get a little bit younger at the QB spot. But that contract, I mean, it's just, it's just a whole lot. And that's probably why the Rams had to trade a lot of draft capital. To Detroit for that, it's just, you know, hey, we're going to give you some extra picks to take Goff's contract off our hands. And so that's probably what happened. But for Detroit, you got some options here to kind of play around with. Keep Goff maybe for a year and see what happens there. Maybe take a QB. Maybe get some more draft picks. A lot of options here. But, I mean, yeah. Rams, I think, got a whole lot better. Lions, they get younger at QB, but the draft picks are where it's at. 
double first round picks in the next couple of years. So that really helps with the rebuilding type of culture that Dan Campbell wants to build there in Detroit. Now, what does this do for other quarterbacks' value? Does this change it? Does it hurt it? Does <laughs> If you're trading two first-round picks and a third-rounder for Matt Stafford, what's the Sean Watson going to get you? I, I do look back at this point of like, hey, there's it's this really bad, awful contract with Goff that you had to trade off extra picks to probably trade the guy. So there's one different. Now, I know Watson's contract is big, but for Watson, it's worth it. The guy's a star. I mean, Goff has fallen off so much since that Super Bowl appearance. He hasn't looked like the same guy. Looks like guys have figured him out. The coaching staff, the players around the league have figured him out. So, a different player than Deshaun. But it's so, you still need to ask the question, what does this mean Deshaun Watson is worth out there on the market? Now, they said that Texans, they aren't going to trade him. It kind of feels like a whole lot of what the Rockets just said with Harden. Like, we're not going to trade him. And then, you know, eventually get so bad that they do eventually trade him. Now, the Rockets did get a good haul for Harden. But you do have to wonder what's going to happen with Watson here. Is this value going to go down? He's going to want to set out the season. I know that's been talked about. I've seen an article from the Houston Chronicle kind of talk about that. Could he sit out? And that's definitely a possibility. But you look at his value. If you're the Texans, you're going to get a whole lot. But here's the thing. Who's going to want to come and play in Houston? After what's been perceived by Deshaun, J.J., by a lot of the players that have left Houston about that culture over there in Houston. It's going to be tough. I mean, if you're being honest, in free agency, between the Texans who might have a whole lot of camp space to play with and another team who might not be, if you're a player, and even if the deal is slightly less than the one you're getting from Houston, you're probably going to go there based off what you've seen with Houston, and based off what you heard. It's that simple. So the Houston's are really, and Houston's really in a pickle right now. And really, you got to see what offer are you going to get. Now, it's also been said that they are looking for, I guess maybe this is at minimum, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two young defensive starters. That's a whole lot. And I think if you begin to look at the teams that could maybe offer that type of trade. I mean, I don't know. Could the Saints do that? It's just a team that just popped up in my head. You're, you're down Drew Brees. You can probably trade a couple first rounders and a couple second rounders. You can probably do that. Um. Now, the one thing with them, the Saints is that. Their salary cap situation's a mess. And one thing that helps that is adding rookies to them to that roster. But one problem, you, you're going to have a little bit of trouble with that as well with the salary cap situation as is over there. Maybe you can do that. Maybe you can trade a couple 
defensive starters from that Saints team over to get Deshaun. And hey, Deshaun Payne Payne gets to work with Deshaun Watson and really kind of helps extend the Saints' run over there in the NFC South. You add him to a division with Tom Brady, with Teddy Bridgewater, you know, with, with those guys, with whatever Atlanta's going to do, with Matt Ryan, where they're taking a quarterback. That could be a possibility. What, what about the Dolphins? Now, I think the Dolphins would differ on that package. They would they would trade to a... But the Dolphins do have a lot of draft picks to work with, especially in this draft. They got a lot, and oh, hey, they got the Texans' number three pick right there. So, if you're the Texans, I think you need to go and make this deal now in the offseason while you still can. Because you don't know what's going to happen a few months from now. Maybe his value does go down a little bit if he's sitting out. Maybe so. But if you look at this Rams-Lions deal, you have to wonder, how much is Deshaun worth? Because Deshaun's got to be worth at least those types of picks. Maybe even a little bit more. Maybe another first rounder. Because I've seen that thrown out there as well. So, if you're the Texans, you probably need to capitalize on this value while you can. Because you're for sure going to get a boatload from whoever you trade them to. Whether it's the Jets, whether it's the Dolphins, Saints, 49ers. Teams like that. Crap, throw out the Cowboys out there. I mean, that could be a possibility, but it makes you wonder. And Deshaun's going to be worth a lot. He's a better quarterback than those two guys in Stafford and Goff. Just being real there. But it make, it doesn't make you wonder how much he's, is he worth. He's probably lo- worth a little bit more than what Stafford got traded for and some. So we'll just have to see. There's again, there's some quarterbacks out there on the market. Teams are gonna go talk to the Eagles still about Carson Wentz, see if they want to make a deal there. The Colts were a possibility for Stafford. I, the Panthers were. Washington was. Eagles are not gonna trade them inside the division. I don't think. I I mean that's the age old conversation that we've had here on this podcast. Do you trade in the division? If the package is the best, probably you you, you probably do that. But. Either way, I don't think you want to play Carson Wentz if I'm Philly two times a year. So, he's still out there on the market. 49ers, we'll see what they do with Jimmy G. See if that Kirk Cousins talk is actually real there about maybe him in San Francisco. We're just getting started with the quarterbacks getting wheeled and dealed, everybody, with quarterbacks changing places. We're just getting started with all that, and that's going to be the fun thing to watch this offseason, see which quarterback goes to, if they go to another team, and see how that impacts their prospects in the 21 season this year. So, sticking with the NFL, it's time. It's Super Bowl time, everybody. Let's get right on into it. Tampa Bay, Kansas City, held at Tampa Bay this year. First time the team that's hosted the Super Bowl is going to get to play in the Super Bowl. 
Really strange occurrence here. So let's talk about this game. Right now, the line looks like it's in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs, hovering around three, three and a half. And the over-under is at 56. And I'll go ahead and tell you right there with those two, I probably feel comfortable with those, especially that over-under. You look at that Week 12 game, Tampa Bay, they did make a huge comeback there after an explosive first half from Kansas City by Mahomes, by Tyreek Hill. You're you're probably going to be expecting a close game, especially if you got Mahomes and Brady involved. These guys play nothing but close games, it seems like, in their first four meetings. And now in their fifth, probably going to be a whole lot of the same. And that three and a three and a half line, I think is pretty rock solid right there. I'd be surprised if it changes to anything other than the other between those two before Sunday. That over under though, it'll be interesting to see. I think the score was 27, 24 last time these two, these two teams played. And if you look at it, the under has actually been historically accurate for the Super Bowls. In this athletic article, per ESPN, from what they said, the last 20 Super Bowls, 10 have gone over, 10 have gone under. So there's a 50-50 chance with that. But from my perspective, Super Bowls recently, they felt like they've gone under here. I don't know. Maybe that's just because the last two were San Francisco and Kansas City last year, and there wasn't a whole lot of points scored there. And then you got the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl, which points were hard to come by in that one. So maybe that's my type of thinking. I think I'll go with the under here. It's around 56, 56 and a half right there. We'll just have to see. We'll just have to see if this is going to be a shootout. But I think from my perspective, these defenses are going to be more of a factor than these offenses with Kansas City's defense see Spagnolo running that uh, running that defense over there I think it's a little bit better than giving credit for and with Tampa Bay you got a solid defense there you just got to make sure Colton Davis doesn't get beat by Tyreek Hill every other play in the first quarter you know you just got to make sure that doesn't happen again I'm sure Tampa Bay will make their adjustments for Tyreek and for Davis if he's covering him with the Tampa Bay defense, you're obviously, if you're Jason Pierre-Paul, you're Shaq Barrett, you're salivating. Because Eric Fisher, he's not going to play doing to tearing his Achilles last game with the Bills. And then you don't have Schwartz. And so you're down your two starting tackles if you're the Chiefs. And this is a situation where it actually works in favor of the Bucks. If you look at it, it's actually... Better to rush Mahomes with four and to drop seven than to just rush five or six, you know, and bring bring everybody, bring the house. It actually works in favor because you're keeping him somewhat contained. He's not getting outside the pocket and doing what he does best, make crazy, insane, explosive plays out of it. So that way, you're keeping him in front of you, you're keeping him somewhat contained, and you got two... Really good edge rushers and JPP and Barrett there on the edge. And they are going to be going against backups. 
And I know they got to be ready for that. So that actually works in favor of the Bucks, that four-man pass rush where they can actually do some of their best work there. You know, they got Vita Vea back. Got Adamkin Sue there at, at the defensive tackle spots. I mean, for the Bucks, you got a chance to hear you go nuts against a couple backups. And so that's one thing I actually think works in favor of the Bucks right there. I, but I think these two defenses are going to be a lot more of a factor than we think because these offenses have been explosive. The Bucks offense has come on. There was a lot of talk about that in the season about the offense, about when it would start to light it up, and it certainly has looked like it with Brady and his chemistry between Evans, Godwin, A.B., Gronk, all of them heating up at the exactly the right moment. And then you got Fournette doing some good things. Ronald Jones coming back. He's doing some good things. So, again, this is going to be key on the defenses, I think. But, I mean, you, you, know, you don't know. I mean, one thing for the Chiefs to counteract the Bucs and them rushing is leaving Kelsey in there to help block. But... That takes away one of your primary options if you're Mahomes. And so that's going to be a thing the Chiefs are going to have to figure out, I think, and see if they figure that out before the game or during the game. Okay, it's not working for us. We need to leave you in here to help block. Or, hey, it's fine. We don't need you to come out and help block. We may have you do it every once in a while, but you're going to be out there catching balls from Mahomes all game. So that'll be something to watch. So let's get into the prop bets real quick here. And again, it's going to be a little bit more different than usual. Man Peter on the show. So it's going to to be a little bit difficult, but we can make it work, everybody. We can make it work. You know what? Speaking of those two, let me get their predictions up here first. And I'll get my prediction, I, I guess, once we get done with the prop bets and all the stuff about uh, with that. And I'll make my predictions from there. So, let me start off with Peter. And first of all, I'll tell you why one of the reasons Peter's not is not on the show. is because he hasn't watched or paid little attention to football this year. Due to everything going on, due to his work schedule, it was just hard as is. But... He did get a prediction. He thinks Brady pulls another one, pulls another miracle, sticking it to Bill Belichick forever, and then riding off into the sunset. I don't think he rides off into the sunset if he does win it. I think he plays another year or two, and we'll we'll see what he does with that. But his score prediction was 31-27, Tampa Bay, that's a little bit over on the over-under, 56.5. So, he predicts Tampa Bay's going to win. With Matt, no score here, but he did have some thoughts on this game. He really thinks it's going to be because of Mahomes. I can't say he's going to be able to win. And keep in mind, everybody, his girlfriend Rebecca is a huge Chiefs fan, so... There's part of me that wonders if he was coerced into this, but my guess is probably not. Is that he? Is that 
He thinks the Chiefs team is going to win off the back of Mahomes. I would I would say the whole, hey, my girlfriend's a fan of this team part is probably plays a small percentage into this. Probably can't lie there. But he so he rewatched that game from week number twelve. And one of the things he knows is that Tampa Bay really got nothing going for it for on offense for most of that game until really later on. You know, Brady had a whole lot of passing yards in, in that fourth quarter, but that was due to them trying to come back in that game. And he go he mentions one of the key things I, I mentioned talking about a few minutes ago. The big keys are gonna be the Kansas City offensive line and that Tampa Bay defensive line. And he mentions Kelsey as a guy that can be a blitz safety net if that comes to pass. If he's not out there helping to block those guys up front on that Tampa Bay defense, if they do get to him, Kelsey's is probably one of the best, probably the best safety nets in the league. Like him and Tyreek are probably pretty safe bets. And if like if Mahomes just needs it and give it to somebody, find number eighty-seven or find number ten. And there you go. And one of the things he also says, he th- he wants to see McCole Hardman. I mean, Hardman's explosive. If you've seen him play in these last couple of years since he's been drafted, he's had some really explosive plays, not just in on offense, but in the kick and punt return game. So maybe he can make his difference there, make him make some money there when it counts. But he mentioned he wants to see McCole make some plays on design short plays and try to give it to him in space and see what he can do. Because, again, he's explosive. You give him the ball, you let him do the rest. You get some blockers out for him, probably game over. This guy is legit fast. You can't catch him. So, Peter's leaning more towards Tampa Bay. Matt's leaning more towards Kansas City. So, we'll just have to see which one of these guys are going to be right. And I'm going to I'm gonna let them know which one of them are going to be right here uh, when I make my prediction, whose side I'm on. But let's take a look at some of the prop bets that we got going on. One thing that I'm, I'm going to mention off the top here is that I'm reading some of these articles. Tony Romo has mentioned... The fact that you have a guy that's already considered the GOAT in Tom Brady versus a younger guy who's already had an excellent start to his career and a guy who could be a guy considered to be the GOAT by the time his career is said and done and Patrick Mahomes. And so one of the interesting things that he said about this is that it's kind of like, you know, if Jordan got to play LeBron... You know, right when LeBron was starting his career, and and Jordan was like, it was like maybe ninety eight or something like that, and I think that that's a really interesting thing that I haven't thought about. And like his exact quote was like, "Could you imagine if Jordan got his team to the finals in ninety eight, or when he was older against a young LeBron who's the face of the league?" He's, Tony's got a point there. Tony's got a lot of points, and we're going to hear a lot of them during this game. But he's got a point there. That How much is this going to be talked about? And I'm assuming with him, 
He's going to mention it at least a couple times. Probably early on and a little bit later on in the game, especially if it gets down to crunch time. And this game is as close as I think it's going to be. So, that'll be something to watch and see if he mentions how much he mentions that. I again, I think I'm going to set the over-under at two for that. That's a good prop bet there. How much is he going to mention that type of comparison with Brady, Mahomes, Jordan, LeBron type of thing? And if he doesn't mention it once, you know, that's fine. But I do like this point. I do like this point that he brought up. That's that's really fun to think about. Uh, some of the other prop bets that we usually have going on the show is, you know, who's going to win the coin toss? You know, what's it going to be, heads or tails or stuff like that? It seems like tails has been the go-to here. So I think for the coin toss, I think it's going to be tails. I'll go with Tails here to be the coin toss call. But I do expect the team, whoever gets it, to defer. National Anthem length, that was under last year. And I'm going to take the safe bet and say that's going to be under as well. Company the first car commercial. You know what? I will take... You know, give me a Matthew McConaughey Lincoln one give me a new lincoln commercial with mcconaughey first movie trailer now this is going to be one to watch especially for me is like a what movie trailers are going to be showing b how many of them are going to be for like streaming service types of things c are there going to be any shows advertised looking at you marvel looking at you disney plus and then d are we going to get announcements that are going to be going on to streaming with these trailers. Looking at you Black Widow. Probably not with that last one. But it still bears in mind. With those first three. It's like what trailers are we going to see. Are there going to be any new ones. Are there going to be ones that. You know, we saw last year. Or are there going to be ones for movies that got pushed back. That we're going to see this year. So that will be one to watch. I will go ahead. I will go and take. Thinking it's still going to be coming out in May. Give me Fast 9. I'll take Fast 9 to be the first movie trailer commercial that we'll see. Or first entertainment commercial that we see, at least. Let's see. Looking at a couple of others that we have here. Let's see. First point scored. You know, I got a feeling. I got a feeling that Kansas City might get the toss. And I, I don't know what that feeling's based on, but I'll take Kansas City. They'll defer in Tampa. I think they'll go and score there, but, I mean, with Mahomes, anything's possible. No lead is safe, I don't think. So, give me Tampa, score first. Probably a four-net run if they get down to the red zone, or if not, probably going to go to Evans or Pratt. Maybe AB. AB's still in this game. AB or Le'Veon. Be honest, guys. Who would you be more excited to see win a ring? Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell? Peter says Le'Veon because he wants to see him see him make a diss track to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So everybody over there. So we'll, we'll see. One of those guys are gonna get they're gonna get a ring. Ah oh, boy. 
But give me the Bucks. I think they'll score first. I, I think they'll score first. Over under, I guess, how many passing yards are Brady and Mahomes going to throw? I think Mahomes will throw for, uh, throw over for three. I think Brady will be close, but he won't get it. But that doesn't mean he'll have, like, three touchdowns or something like that. I might be so. Uh, let's take a look at the halftime show. You know, we got the weekend coming in with this halftime show. He's using $7 million of his own money to have the halftime show that he envisions. I'm really excited for what he's going to do with this. Number of songs during the halftime show. Last year we set that over, over under at 7. I don't think we confirmed it was over or under. But for that 7... I'll take a little, I'll take eight. I'll take the over on that. And, and this is one from last year. Uh, will there be a song that all of us know? I say for me and Peter, yes. Because Peter really loves Blinding Lights. For Matt, I don't know if he has a clue who The weekend is. I, I'll, I'll be honest there. I don't know if he has a clue who he is. But I'll say for me and Peter, yes, there will be one. Uh, there'll be at least one that we know. Uh, but for Matt, I, I'll probably say the under right there. I'll, I'll probably say he doesn't know anything. How long does the halftime show take? That was another one we didn't get right. Matt put his in at 12, and I like that over. And this wasn't an over-under one. This is a price is right rule type of thing. But I like... That over-under, I'll take the over on 12-minute halftime show. And I don't know who, and we had another one. Will there be an unannounced star at the halftime show? There might be. I'll take that. All right, some others. Let's take a look at some others. Uh, Let's go to the actual game itself. And I know we did the whole total first downs and punt stuff. I, oh man, there's no way you can guess that stuff. But looking at the game, let's let's talk about MVP. Let's talk about MVP odds. Who's gonna get it this year? And I really don't know who would have the best shot at winning MVP. Probably Brady and Mahomes are probably the top two choices. But then again, you could also probably say, hey, Tyreek has a shot to win it. Kelsey has a shot. Evans, Godwin, shoot, Gronk maybe, you know, or it could be a defensive player if they have a really good game. If they just go like all out, who could that be? You know, could it be Shaq Barrett, JPP, Matthew, Chris Jones, you know, these type these type of guys. I would say. If you ask me who who would be my top two choices, I would say Brady and Mahomes, without a doubt. I think those two would probably be the two choices that I would say would win MVP there. And take and then take a look at you know one thing, other things that was on our spreadsheet was the Gatorade bath. What do you think it's gonna be? You know what? I will go with classic orange color Gatorade to be showered on the winning coach. I'll take the classic color right there. I'll take it to be orange for that Gatorade bath on whoever wins it. For either Andy Reid or Bruce Arians. So I guess that leaves this. Super Bowl. 
prediction. Who's going to win? What's going to be the final score? I look at this over-under. Again, it's 56, 56 and a half. And again, going back to that, of the last 20 Super Bowls from ESPN, 10 have been over, 10 have been under. But from my experience recently, it's been 10 under. And I spent a lot of time talking about how I think these defenses are going to do well, and they're going to show up. It's not going to be as high-scoring game as we think. So I think it's probably going to be in the same vein of a type of game that we got in week number 12 where it's like 27-24, something like that. But it's going to be a little bit of a struggle to get to that point. I don't think you're going to see the first quarter, first half like Mahomes and Tyree Kill had in that game. I think it's going to be a little bit more tougher sledding for them. But they'll get theirs. They'll get theirs eventually. And I will go... I'm probably going to, I'm, I'm going to end up being wrong on this because it's Tom, isn't it? I'm going to go with Kansas City as well. I'm going to side with Matt and take Kansas City there. I think they'll do just enough to combat the pressure that Baird and JPP will get on the edges against those backup tackles. Because, again, those two safety nets and Kelsey and Hill, like Matt said, I mean, they're really good safety nets. So give me Kansas City. And I will take Kansas City to win 28-24. And that over-under will be at 52. I'll take that as a little bit of the under. I believe I said I would take the under on that. So that's where I'm going to go with Kansas City 28, Tampa Bay 24. And I will take Mahomes to win MVP in that case. If Kansas City wins it, I'll take Mahomes. And then Kelsey, I think, will be right behind. And then Tyreek will be behind there as well. Shoot, maybe one of the running backs will win it. Maybe Le'Veon Bell will win it. Maybe Clyde Edwards-Alaire after missing the last several weeks and coming back in that Bills game. Maybe he finds a way to win it. We just don't know, but I think Mahomes is a safe bet along with Kelsey and Hill right behind him for the MVP if Kansas City wins. Now, if Tampa wins, I think it's Brady. Then probably a guy like Evans. Godwin, but again, one of the running backs like Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette could have a big game, and they could win MVP. Or it could be on the defensive side. Again, they get, there's some playmakers on the defensive side of the ball for both these teams. So it could be a guy on the defensive side. So we'll see on Sunday. We'll find out for sure around uh, 5, 6 o'clock on Sunday when uh, everything's get kicks off on CBS with Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the call. Good way to go out with those two on the call. Going to be a fun game for sure between these two teams with the younger generation of Mahomes, again, against the older generation of Brady. Again, I really like that comparison from Romo there with uh, older Jordan versus LeBron, who's kind of already the face of the league. I really like that comparison a whole lot coming from him. So with that being said, everybody, that's where we'll leave the show this week. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's show we'll be back next week talk about that super bowl and some of our thoughts on the game and we'll see if any other stuff goes on with the nfl offseason it's only getting started and it's going to get properly started once this game is over next week see if anything more happens with Deshaun watson carson wentz and some of the other quarterbacks potentially out there on the trade market so we'll see we'll talk more about that if that happens 
talk about this game, talk about anything else that's going on in the world of sports. So with that being said, everybody, thank you guys for tuning in. Stay safe. All that good stuff. Enjoy the game on Sunday. It's going to be a fun one. Even if you're not having a Super Bowl par a party, it's going to be a fun one, I, I think. We're going to get a real kick out of these two guys battling back and forth. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.